The Oklahoma Business Show is proudly sponsored by Your IT, managed IT services and cybersecurity for Oklahoma businesses. Y-O-U-R-I-T.com. You deserve better IT. I'm Chris Moraz and welcome to the Oklahoma Business Show, where we speak with business owners and leaders about their struggles, successes, and things they've learned along the way. Welcome, everyone, once again. Delighted today to have uh, with us Mike Redwine. Now, Mike is the Executive Vice President at Southern Nazarene University, the Chairman of the Northwest Chamber of Commerce, a former collegiate football coach, uh, and one of the few people I actually know in real life that has a Wikipedia page, um, as well as just being generally one of the nicest guys I know. Well... I guess guilty on all counts, but it has been fun. It, it, the the um, the path has had a couple of twists and turns, but um, certainly love what I'm doing now. And quite frankly, I mean, I, I really, if you go back even further, I was a high school math teacher, which impresses no one because they think about their high school math teacher. But I was I really what I wanted to do when I grow up was just be a math teacher and football coach. And then um, it kind of led me to a college setting. And then I've been there ever since. Well, I love that. That's a perfect. I was going to ask you to do a quick yeah. little brief bio and you nailed it. So um, uh, so what I want to start off with as your, your curl, the executive vice president of Southern Azure University. Now, and you have a lot in your plate and. I was reviewing the website, trying to get a better glimpse of what all you do, because I know it's a lot. And I loved how they listed on the website. I don't know if you've seen this recently or remember what it says, but they describe you and your role as a breadth, a breadth of responsibilities, which I thought was pretty fantastic. Um, maybe tell us a little bit more about what all you're responsible for. Yeah. You know, I the simple way to say it, I think, is the outside the classroom things. Now, I've been a classroom teacher. And as I mentioned just before, I mean, that's really what I wanted to do. It would be a math teacher. But uh, since that time, since I moved into higher ed, I've taught marketing to MBA students. I've taught uh, leadership to traditional undergraduate students. I actually taught some um I don't want to get into the technology side, but I've taught some information technology to college students who probably maybe could have taught me a few things, but um, some Google tools and those kind of things, usually in freshmen to help them be able to be ready for classes and those kind of things. But uh, so, uh, but the outside of the classroom, really everything from athletics to um, campus activities to many of our services like the health center, uh, career services. So, you know, students that want to write resumes, get jobs while they're in colleges, college and get jobs after they finish with college. That's one of the things. I also have financial services. So uh, I, I know you're a college dad. And so, you know, <laughs> helping them uh, with their scholarships to be able to come, but then also the kind of the bursar, the business office functions to pay their bills. So a lot of the outward facing kinds of things. Um, and while I love the classroom part of it, I just know this, a whole lot of education happens outside of the classroom. And so they're in residence halls. I know your daughter's been in leadership. And so those kind of opportunities to me are really where a lot of the, where a lot of the fun happens, but really a lot of the education happens. Yeah. You know, I, and for myself, um, I, I don't tend to think of universities as businesses, but they are, there's obviously a lot to handle there. 
And so I was so delighted that you're able to hop on here because there's a lot of business leaders that we work with and talk with um, that aren't necessarily a business owner. And so I love the fact that you are in that business leadership position as I see that, I'm not sure if you consider yourself. Yeah, and, absolutely, I do. Um, yeah. And kind of looking at not necessarily that commercial business side of things, but uh, giving a little different perspective. And because you wear so many different hats, a lot of the le- leaders that are listening similarly have several roles. And I'm curious, how do you manage all those various yeah. teams uh, and all those responsibilities? How do you stay on top of that? Yeah. Let me back up just a little bit because I think you're spot on on one of the things that you've pointed out is that it is a business. Now, we're nonprofit, uh, but we need customers, just like a business owner needs customers. Uh, we need to sell them on a value. And as you know, well, and I know some of your story, it, it's an expensive proposition. And so we, we need to be able to present a value. Why is it more at a private Christian school where I'm at as, as compared to maybe a, a public or a two-year public. Um, and so what, what's the what's the added value that comes with that? So those are the same propositions that a business owner might uh, or a business person of whatever type might be uh, navigating through. You know, another interesting uh, part of that is we talk about retention in higher education. Retention of what? Or retention of our customers. And that's the same thing that in, in business we talk about is, yeah. is how do we retain, we, we make a sale, how do we have a repeat sale? And another kind of subtle thing is how do we upsell someone? Well, it sounds kind of, um, hopefully no one's going to see that. No, I'm just kidding. Not, <laughs> hopefully it's not being recorded right now. No. An example, though, is we can sell someone a tuition, but what about tuition and then a room and board? or a room and board and books. Now we actually have a third party uh, book store now, but at one point that was a part of a revenue stream to the university. So there's some subtle ways that aren't necessarily upcharged, but, but really selling things that the student would need, uh, but, but being the one that actually sells it to them rather than someone else. Yeah. So I really do think there's a lot of parallels. Now to your point, you know, the the, uh, the various areas, uh, I would say most of them, most of the student-centered things like athletics, uh, residence life, student activities, uh, many of those are all a part of what we say, you know, we call student life. And so they're, they're kind of the, um, as I mentioned, really the outside the classroom things. And so when we have group meetings together, uh, even though... Not everyone is doing something related to athletics. Uh, The work that a coach would do would be similar to what someone who might be a leader of a student organization might do. They're trying to engage the student. They're trying to maximize the student experience while they're there. And so I think there's a lot of parallels. Now, certainly the business office functions, the financial aid, that is a little bit different. But from a customer service standpoint, there's some real overlap there. I'm very fortunate that that particular individual, the associate vice president, his name is Chris, over that area, he used to work in student life. And so he he has something to offer the group, even if his current position um, really isn't, isn't exactly tied in. He's been in HR, he's been in, in career services, he's, he's had several roles at the university. So, okay. yeah. And as you 
as you manage those, do you, you kind of, there's a lot of people who use EOS or some other sort of, um, you know, business programming to manage their hierarchy and stuff. What have you found has worked well for you? Do you have regular meetings with those top levels? Do you sit in on their lower meetings with everyone? Yeah. What What do you see that works well for you? You know, really some of both. Um, I, I'm not one, I, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty cautious about sitting into their meetings unless invited. Now, um, just because it seems like the dynamic changes sometimes, certainly if, if I'm running a meeting and the president slips in, um, well, then all of a sudden we're, you know, sitting a little different in our seats and we're making sure our desks are, are organized because he's a minimalist. You know, we want to make sure that, you know, everything looks good. Uh, but no, so, um, and yet, uh, one time we had a speaker, um, at the university and it was just a leadership speak. We're doing it for the greater Oklahoma city area. It just happened to be hosted at the university. And I don't remember the individual's name, but I do remember his point. In fact, a, a video that he had produced at that time was, you know, ask someone within 12 feet of the problem. And so the, the thought is that, you know, we can begin to get too far away from what the real, not the problem is. We, we learn about the problem, but the solution is generally um, best determined by someone that's close enough and it's kind of down in the trenches and those things. So, so there's a benefit to me to be in those meetings. But what I want to be careful about is that I don't uh, detract from the meetings. And so, but yes, I'd like to slip in. And generally, if I do, they'll ask me because I, I like stories. So they'll ask me for some story. It's probably like, um, you know, students, when you have them in a classroom, they want you to get off topic so they can, you know, <laughs> the, the, you don't assign them more homework or something. So maybe that's really what they're doing. But I, I enjoy it. It's life-giving to me. Uh, those teams in a university setting uh, are younger than me. Um, and so I'm, I'm probably on the upper age of what we would say in student life because it's a, you know, they're, they're on the front lines with 18 to 22 year olds, you know, living in residence halls and all those kind of things. So it's a, it's a great, it's a great thing for me. I don't know how they, you'd have to ask them, but, but I, I think it's good. Uh, but as far as my direct report, I really tend to do, because of the, and I mentioned this, the, the parts are different. I, I do more one-on-one -on -one with them than, than we do as a full group, but we do that as well. And, um, and so sometimes those are, uh, would be more big picture top topics. What it, Gen, uh, the other thing that those allow me to do is kind of cascade information from the president's cabinet, which I serve on. And so those would be really high level uh, things for the university where um, if, if decisions have been made, certainly that would impact them, but would impact those that they're then responsible for, or ultimately all the way down to the student level, uh, then then th that's the, the easiest way for me to do it. Yeah, I can send an email and just, you know, reply all or whatever, or send all, but, but, but to be able to do that face-to-face, -face, and particularly if it's a more of a sensitive topic or something. So, yeah. I love hearing that. It seems like since, um, since the pandemic, as people are trying to coalesce this hybrid and are we coming back to the office or are we not, what's the new structure? There's been a lot of heavy-handedness or micromanaging that I've seen some businesses try to try to implement, but it sounds like you're saying hire the right people, point them in the right direction and let them go. Wow. I mean, that really is. I, I just, 
I guess I, I've never felt, um, I don't, I haven't really minded being micromanaged myself. I don't know that I, I, I was averse to that, but, but in managing people and when I was a football coach, it was the same thing. People would say, um, well, there were some years where I served as a coordinator, offensive or defensive coordinator, but most of those years I was the head coach and an offensive coordinator at a defensive coordinator. And I would have other head coaches say, how can you stand? How could you allow someone to call the offensive plays and not be, and not have it be yourself, you know, and not be speaking into that all the time? Well, I did speak into it, but usually it was during the week of preparation, not in the, in the moment. And, uh, and occasionally, you know, give me a timeout. Okay. Now let's talk about it. Now let's go back to the team and decide what we're going to do. So, um, but yeah, I think that is probably just the way I'm wired. And, um, but I also, I guess I'll just say this, this is, I'm not trying to be overly humble. I mean, but this is just truly the way I feel is they are the experts. They are more knowledgeable than I am about, uh, much of the work that they're doing. And so for me to try to um, present myself in some way, like I have all the answers. I mean, there's far from the truth. I can guarantee that. And, and, um, so if I'm there, it's a lot of times it's to learn so that I mentioned cascading down, but also that I am the representative of all these areas to the president's cabinet. And so if there are issues, we were, um, discussing a particular residence hall that, um, we were thinking about taking offline to allow another company to use it temporarily today. Well, again, um, I had our director of residence life and our dean of students, she's in there and um, she knows who's assigned there. She knows when it's going to be open, when it's not. By the way, it was on Zoom. And I was also thinking that like, I, I've, as you were talking, I've had an in-person meeting today. I've had several one-on-one -on -one kind of meetings, an in-person group meeting, several one-on-one -on -one meetings. I've had a Zoom I've had a text call from HR, you know, a text call, a text message back and forth with our director of HR. Um, and so, but you're right. I, there are some people at the university that really are still conducting almost every meeting that they do uh, via Zoom. And no one really minds it. We just log in from wherever we're at across campus. In some ways, it's made it functional, even though m most or almost all of us are you know, employees at the main campus and we're there in person. And, um, but that's changed somewhat. We have with outsourcing and other things we've. It's been interesting for sure. So I had never thought about even on the same campus and just hopping on zoom, but you're saving 10, 15, 20 minutes of yeah. walking around and yeah. small talk, which some people love and some yeah. don't. So. No, you're right. Uh, we're scattered around. And, and so, um, and, you know, in this particular case, it was, um, you know, really, three points about the outer points of campus plus one that was walking to another meeting while she was, you know, on her phone or whatever on, on zoom. But, uh, that was, that was a little bit dizzying for the rest of us trying to watch her as she walked across campus. But, it, you know, she's utilizing every second that way. Whereas quite frankly, otherwise she would have just had to miss the meeting, you know? So. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I'll be curious to see how that continues. Cause I think it's a massive tool. Um, and I'm glad to hear that you guys are still supporting that because a lot of businesses aren't. Yeah. Uh, so you've seen a ton of changes. How long have you been at SNU? Remind me. 15 years. 15 years. Yeah. Um, so some incredible changes from facilities to operations and 
I mean, the pandemic and bringing students back, lots of changes. Have you, can you think of a particular challenge, maybe even a failure that comes to mind in those 15 years that you've been there? Oh, goodness. I mean, there's, there have been a, a lot of challenges. Um, yeah, you know, I, I don't know if I would, if I would put this in the category of a failure necessarily, but, you know, and this just happens to be on my mind. So um, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm heading in this direction uh, because of what happened at, at Oklahoma Baptist last night. As we know, the tornadoes came through. Well, Shawnee was hit. And so I saw their, I saw it last night, but then I also saw this morning their president at eight o'clock. I'm blogging, I'm watching on my phone before I go into the chamber meeting and uh, to hear his report. And uh, I mean, they, you know, had every student in a safe spot and their campus was hit. And, and those are the things that you fear the most is just in preparation, particularly when you have residents, students living in residence. Yeah. Uh, and so, um, of course, they lost electricity. I think everyone in being safe, according to their president and all that, which is which is great. But for us, I mean, we've had ice storms while, you know, in in twenty. 2020, 2021, where we have an ice storm, you, you, you know, you have students that are in quarantine and in isolation, and then everybody loses electricity. <laughs> and you have this student that's staying in one of our properties, but all by themselves in the complete dark. And they're like, where are we? What are we doing here? I mean, it's just crazy. Another one, we lost water later in that year where, okay, now we have porta potties lined up outside the residence halls. <laughs> you know, and this is just the, the real life things of, you know, because you're, you're literally owning an apartment complex. You run a food service operation. And yes, you're trying to deliver an education as well. So there, there's so many varied parts of it. Do you guys plan for that? Do you game plan, hey, what's going to happen with these disasters? And Or is it, I mean, a lot of businesses don't. And then they're trying to play catch up and having issues. How do you guys prepare for this? Well, there's certainly, I don't know that we have went through a lot. Of, I don't, there's so many variations of what you can prepare for, yeah. you know? And so, yes, you know, some active shooter things and, and you know, uh, certainly these incidents in Oklahoma that you anticipate uh, at certain times of, of the year, uh, we do have some individuals that are responsible for all of our protocols. I'm, I'm a person on the list. But even last night, so at 10 o'clock is when approximately when Shawnee was hit by the tornado and Oklahoma Baptist um, came through there and, and it certainly impacted them and several of their buildings. And so the, the group that I'm on, um, the text messages begin. So that kind of uh, emergency group was activated. And really we were talking in that particular case about how we might be able to support our sister school if in fact they needed housing or those kinds of things. But, um, but, and, and we were getting very early alerts. Uh, and I don't know what happens for you as a, as a parent, but uh, many cases our parents get them and, and they're wondering, they're in Florida wondering, okay, we see that there's a tornado coming through Oklahoma. And so, but we, our team really does a nice job of that, anticipating some of those things. So and oftentimes it, it's not necessarily caught off guard, but um, one of the, the struggles that we had, this is again, getting a little bit specific, but the ice storm, I, I just overheard um, or heard a report 
that they were having this issue at OBU too, that this, your cell service begins to have a struggle as people, everybody's on or whatever, or the tower gets knocked down. And so we do have some university phones that are um, first net. And so it, they're like in first responders. My wife has one also. She's a nurse uh, that, and so uh, we would supposedly, if, if the cell towers went down, we didn't have them back in whatever fall of 20 when we lost electricity last time, but to help us too, because that you're, you're just talking about technology, but that's, that's a tool that we rely on. And if you don't have that cell technology, it makes it, it makes it. Yeah, difficult. that's interesting. Um, you know, there's all kinds of backups but at this point. Most of the backup is, you know, cellular or mobile, um, you know, landlines, it's funny, we're all getting rid of landlines, but a lot of times landlines are the more reliable uh, method. Um, so yeah, FirstNet, and I forget there's a, there's other ones for federal government that yeah, yes. and, and such, but uh, that's interesting. I don't know. Uh, I'd be curious to see what other industries um, listen to this that might want to consider that. It's typically, like you said, going to be first responder or, um, you know, those critical infrastructure type things. Yeah. Um, but that's definitely something for people to, to look into. Yeah. Hey, one other thing I, maybe I would mention, and this goes back to my coaching days, but I certainly have used this uh, throughout my career in, in higher education. And um, there was a point at which um, we were turning a program around. Uh, and then the fall arrives and I'm waiting on all the players to come back. My returning guys, the new guys, it's just like Christmas and you're really excited. So this is August. It happens to be 1994. So it's several years back. Uh, and some returning players did not return. It's for a variety of reasons. Usually a girl has something to do with it. You know, they're homesick or whatever, but they, they didn't return. As that fall began, I was fixated on the four or five that weren't there. And I forgot about the 115 guys that were there and that were excited. And I, 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 I will say, I just think sometimes I'm sure the same thing happens in business. It happens when we recruit students now. It's so easy to, um, for me anyway, to, to just let my mind go to worrying about the three or four misses or the sale that you didn't get or the, the customer that you lost. And then meanwhile, you have all these other ones that need your attention and, and they're, they're in, and those are the ones that you really need to direct your focus fairly quickly. And I'll say that was a wonderful year. It was a turnaround that for the next 20 years, it was a program that had one winning season in the history of the school. And from that point forward, for the next 20 years, they, had one five and five season, but every other year was a winning season. And, and it, and it was really because I'm not certainly not because of me, but, but those guys that said, you know, like, Hey coach, we're, we're over here. You know, we, we, we want to do something. So and, tell and, me, what you, uh, did you just become aware of that? Did someone call you out? What changed that? That finally kind of woke you up to well turn it around. I hate to say, but I mean, I, I mean, we're just, this is dialogue and these are real things. And, and I'm sure if a business owner, I, I do think, by the way, I think coaching is very similar to being a small business owner. I had this conversation at lunch with a business faculty person, our head soccer coach, Trevor, and myself, we're at a table and this is the conversation we're having. And our head baseball coach sits down that how similar being a college coach is to being a business owner. And part of what I would say, particularly someone that, 
is self-employed, the pressure that you have every day because it's on you and you're the person cutting the grass, you're lining the field, you're doing whatever, right? And and it's hard to turn that off. People say, do you enjoy golf? Well, the problem is I did until I started coaching and then I would almost feel guilty that I, I if I'm away for four or five hours, I'm thinking, okay, what should I have been doing to get this going? And so- Oh, there's no business owner that feels guilty when they're away from their business. No, that doesn't happen. I'm guessing, I'm guessing you're incorrect on that, sir. But anyway, no, but, and so, but we need balance, right? And so it shouldn't, it shouldn't rule that. But I didn't control that very good at that point in my career. Okay. And so I did, I-, I during that fall, it, it really impacted me. And I, it was before we said words like mental health, partic- particularly if you were a male, but I mean, it, it, it definitely impacted me. And I so much so that, I mean, I had my younger brother, he moved, I mean, he is a business owner and a successful one, but he came up and kind of shadowed me around and all that. And, but, uh, so I'd love to say, um, that it was some kind of secret sauce or I'd, you know, grab myself by the bootstraps and whatever, you know, but, uh, but really I, I think that the encouragement of just being around the players over a period of time, I, yes, I worked my way through that too. And, and, um, but I don't remember if there was just one instance where I said, okay, you know, I've got to get together. There was a low point. I'll say this. And that's when they took me to the hospital and said, okay, you know, I was losing weight. I was doing all those, you know, things that you do sometimes when you just get discouraged and down, you know? And so, well, I appreciate yeah. that honesty. I mean, it's, I mean, it's to be aware and to have people that will come around you um, and surround yourself. I know myself and a lot of other business owners, we just try to power through it. And that's a yeah. great testament yeah. of making sure that you have got people around you that support yeah. you and encourage you and carry you through. So yeah. awesome. No, I needed it. And, um, and ultimately, like I say, the, the, you know, the people that you're around, in my case, it was assistant coaches, certainly family and those kind of things, as I mentioned. But um, but being around young people, has been, uh, that's been invigorating all the time. So, you know. Well, I need to find some more young people to be around that. Uh, you are young. See, that's the thing. When you're young, it's hard. It's hard, it's hard to get younger people, you know. And, and, and young is getting a little relative, too, isn't it? So, um Oh, yeah, old, the older I yeah. get, I'm like, am, am I still young? I don't know that I am, but I will accept that. I will definitely embrace that. Well, and that's an interesting part of my work, too, is just thinking about, um, so tomorrow night, I'm emceeing a student event. It's for seniors, okay. senior supper. They're outgoing. They've got a couple of weeks left in their college career, and then they're crazy. off and going. It is crazy. Um, and then, you know, and I think, okay, wait, I'm, I don't mind saying so. I'm getting close to 60. I'll be 59 here in another month, but can I still connect with them? Do I connect with them? No, I, I had to, I'm doing the, the, what we, the senior superlatives, the most likely two kinds of things. And they said most likely to glow up. And I'm thinking like, okay, I'm going to have to have someone explain what glow up. Well, it's kind of like grown up during the time that they've been in college or something. I'm sure it means something different than that, but that's what I'm that's going with anyway. Close to what that's, that was the, that was my, the way I interpreted the definition when I went out and asked someone young what it meant, you know, which is what I did. But, uh, but it, it, it really is a blessing to, you know, be around them. And, and, uh, and you know what, the other thing I'll say is that uh, all points of our life, I think are, are important, but I, I really, you know, the whole time I wanted to be a teacher, as I mentioned, I was a high school math teacher. And I, one reason I wasn't all that interested in college, I thought, 
well, they're all grown up. And I should have known better because I was probably 23 or four when I was thinking about these things, you know, um, and I certainly wasn't grown up yet. But but in reality, it's finances. It's what I want to be when I grow up. It's relationship. Sometimes, you know, uh, with a significant other or just roommate kind of issues and all that they work through. I mean, it is 18 to 22 year olds in a residential campus experience. I mean, it's just so much important stuff is happening, man. It's just, it's fun to be around. So, yeah, I love hearing that. And so I was, I want your coaching history is intriguing to me and I love hearing the stories. So we're going to hit that for a second because I've always heard, like you said, people who have been a coach see that direct correlation to the business world. And so every coach you ever talked to, whether they were a assistant coach or a high school coach or collegiate or any level have stories. Yeah. And Mike, I know that you have stories and you love telling stories. Yeah. What are maybe some of those things that you regularly think about of, you know, you've already shared one, but those experiences yeah. and how it kind of correlated and, and went from the locker room or the field into the executive suite. Yeah. Well, one of the, one of the fun things about football is there's one contest per week and the entire week is preparing for that one three hour event, which if you put it in terms of you take out timeouts and clock running and all, really is it like 17 minutes of action? I mean, it really is. I mean, it's so, it's so little if you say the actual time that people are running and hitting each other and supposed to be blocking or whatever, you know, so, but, but uh, to take uh, an opponent that changes weekly, which is an interesting thing because uh, I, I think oftentimes in business, maybe we think that there, it's the same obstacle all the time that we're trying to tackle the same opponent, if you will. But it's a different opponent each week that that has uh, they have uh, they're bringing something different to the table. And so your approach uh, to uh, to how to uh, combat that is is different. And so to develop that, to then take that and try to present it in a way that. 18 to 22 year old males can understand it. And these are football players that have been hitting each other for a while. I mean, I you know, but no, but they're, they're cert certainly bright, but even then to get them to, to understand it in a way that they can then execute it. So to take a, something that can be fairly complex and to bring it down and, and then build it back up, prepare them physically and mentally then to compete. It's just that, that whole process is fun. I, I loved the, um, the for me it would be Sunday afternoon and it would go into Monday. You're watching the the opponent's film and you're thinking, what what things can we take advantage of? What's a weak point? And just the the riddle, the puzzle of that, and trying to work through. Sometimes I think, and I have it, and it didn't really turn out that way. <laughs> or there's been sometimes where you know what we did something and the guys flat out executed it and it resulted um, in a win maybe on, on, or certainly just a great effort, even if we didn't win a game. And, uh, and that was just, that was just a lot of fun. One other thing that I'll mention there that I think it's an interesting question, and I don't know if I've ever had it posed in that way, but, you know, I think one of the, I, I, I'm sure it happens in business. I know it happens in education, our business, 
and I know it happens in coaching, is you go out your first game and you lose and your offense doesn't perform very well. You go in your second game, offense doesn't perform very well. So going into the third game, you're going to switch from your passing offense to running the wishbone triple option. Like you throw everything out the window and start from scratch. And that is a huge mistake, I think. I mean, there may be a time to do that in the offseason, a retooling and a re-recruiting to an offense. But but the difference between changing and executing better what you do is, I just think so many times we move to change. And I'm not someone that's change averse. I'm, it's, it's not that. But I think that there's something to be said for this is what we do. Let's figure out how we can do it better rather than let's just throw everything that we just had. We had the wrong plan altogether at the very beginning. And and so to do that too early, maybe there's a time to do that, that we're going to shift gears and we go into a different market or whatever else. But but I, I think sometimes we just it just happens too quickly. But. I love that. That's that's huge. Um, as you're preparing for that season and you've got your coaches and you say, here's our strengths, here's our players, and you say, we're going to stick to this. And then, like you said, it doesn't work those first two times. And so game three, you totally upend it. I know for myself, as we have strategized end of year, we're looking forward to next year. What's our marketing plan? Who are we going to go after? What do we expect? And then, yeah, we get through with Q1 and it's not amazing. Um, and we don't always stick to that plan. And we know who our players are. We know our strengths as business owners. You know your strengths as coaches. Um, I wonder how often businesses try to upend things just reactionary versus saying, we know the plan, let's go and tweak it. Taking that second, that time in the locker room during halftime to, to tweak and come out. Yeah. Um, so I love that. That's, that's huge. It's fascinating because I get it because, you know, for us, we have a, whatever, a 10, 11, 12 game season. And so you're thinking, boy, we need the success to hurry and come because we've just dropped a couple of games or whatever in business. You're thinking, okay, we need the revenue to change. So, I mean, there's a sense of, I'm going to use desperation, not, not that we did, but, but you start feeling the urgency. Maybe that's a more positive way to say it of, of getting the change. And um, here's the thing. And I, if, if a company or a coach decides to upend things, I, I think you better be a really, really good salesman with your team because you better be able to convince them that, you know what, we did something and, and it didn't work exactly. And this is the right path forward. And here's the reason why we're going to do this because they're pretty smart, you know? And, and so, that, you know, you sold them on what we were doing for those yeah. Q1 or those first couple of games in, in football. Then all of a sudden you're changing it. They kind of know like, okay, coach gave up on us. Yeah. And well, that, and that's the part that I think is you don't want. I mean, you don't. And so I, I think there's a thin line between knowing your strengths and seeing a problem and adjusting versus pivoting a hundred percent to something new. It seems like that's kind of a, you know, the pivot is such a, amazing word that people think is this paradigm shift of, you know, when you look at Silicon Valley, it's, you know, we've pivoted to this entirely new way of doing things that has success. 
Um, most businesses can't do that, I don't think. Um, and so I think it's important to realize you've got to be aware of where you're trying to get to. Um, and are you just changing because you're desperate and because you're frustrated? Or is this a change because you've realized your plan wasn't a good plan at all? And, you know, this key player, maybe they exaggerated on their um, application a little bit and they're not really the great. They weren't really wearing number 17 on that film that I watched. That was number 12. I wish it had been watching. No, no, it's funny. So I think, I think it's great to, to, to try to make sure you're differentiating. Is this a, a important change we're doing or is this just, you know, we've dropped the first two games and I don't know what's going to happen anymore. Yeah. Um, in your experience as you know, you've, have you had a, a time where you, you, you know, sat down and looked at those things and were able to make those adjustments? Yeah. Um, or have you had a time where you did get desperate and realized it wasn't the right, right call? Well, I, I'll say this. I think as I became the head football coach at age 26, I guess when the first fall came out, I was 27. I didn't know what I was doing. And, and I made the mistake of, we started off doing one thing. We had some close, close games, but we lost. And so next thing you know, I did the pivot about that. I, I'm saying don't do. So I yeah. really kind of learned and we, we came back around and, and all, but, but um, I, I just think I made a mistake there. And and I'm not saying in every, um, every business, every field that this wouldn't be, a, there wouldn't be a time that we need to pivot. An example though, that of, of, a, we're just executing better or changing what we're doing. So uh, there was a year where we had a really good tailback. We had a really good quarterback, but we kind of put more on the quarterback. Maybe the receivers didn't get the job done, but we here we were sitting there with this really good tailback. And so rather than just change everything, we just said, okay, when we call play, we just wrote script out and literally – we wrote it out so specifically that we knew, and, and I, I'm this is exactly what we did. Our tailback would touch the ball 20 times per game, period. And and from that point on, he had at least 20 carries every single game from and we and we won because he was that good. Um and so uh but we just changed the way we were calling plays. We didn't we didn't change the offense, we just changed what our part in that. And so and um, how did you identify that? Was that something that yeah. you and the, the coaches sat around and said, are we having yeah. someone we're not utilizing well? Or, I mean, how did you identify yeah. that? That one was particularly a little bit tricky because I was the head coach. The offensive coordinator was calling plays. As I mentioned earlier, I didn't want to just barge in and say, all right, I'm taking the play calling duties away from you or I'm going to fire you or whatever. And he's a dear friend. I don't think he'll be watching this. Yeah. But, but, but. Um, because he's older, not because he went, because he's retired. No, don't worry. Nobody watches this. No, no, but I, because he's retired. Um, but even if he did, I think he would understand the same where my heart was. I didn't want to go in and do that. He, I, I absolutely trust him. I, and, and love him even to this day. And every time we see each other, it's good. But that part needed to change. So together we developed this, the way that we were going to script it. And so the sensitive thing for me was to get to what I did think as a head coach and as the leader of that particular organization, if you look at it that way, that we did need to make an adjustment. And without 
mowing everybody over and, you know, uh, bull in the China shop kind of stuff. I mean, I, I, I just felt like I needed to kind of nuance that. And so we did, we just developed it. We developed it together, but I knew what the result would be is that we would be turned around and handing it to our best player more than we had been. And, uh, and so, but it, I, I'd be lying if I said it wasn't a little tricky to say, how can I navigate that just from a relational standpoint with the person who was arguably kind of the number two in charge kind of guy. I mean, he was the coordinator of our offense. I think that's going to resonate a lot. I mean, there's a lot of people who they're at the top. Um, They see the strengths, they see where things need to go. And how many times have you come across a business or a business owner who allowed that to cause friction um, instead of a open, honest conversation that both knew could take where they needed to go? Um, and so they just business falters or fails and, and because they're unable to take action. Um, so I think that's a huge point. Well, th- this is kind of pie in the sky. I get it. But but is in the end, uh, I think we all feel that. Well, I think good leaders feel that if they can, even if it is their idea, their concept uh, that they're trying to have others execute, to get fingerprints on it by those that are, you know, the next level down and then all the way so that they've provided input. And I think that's why in the end it worked is it not that if it would have been my idea and I mandated it. I mean, there, there's egos and some stubborn folks that are call themselves coaches, right? Mm-hmm. And so there, it can be that. Um, and everybody wants the same thing, but to, to do it in a way where it could be um, uh, developed so that his fingerprints were on it, so that we were in agreement, we both knew. I'm on the headset too. I could say, no, coach, we're not doing that. You know, you're doing it my way. Uh, I don't think. In the end, he's the one with the players in that lot, you know, because the defensive players are over here and the offensive players are over here. And I'm trying to figure out what to do with the officials or whatever, you know. So, um, so oftentimes, I mean, he's the one there and he needed to have the buy in. So, yeah. Yeah. I appreciate you that story. There's, I think there's a lot of, a lot of people who are going to listen to that and say, yes, Co- appropriate conversations, making sure that the team's all on the same page. But that leadership's got to step out sometimes and, and make sure that they're talking about it instead of just jumping in when they shouldn't. Um, yeah. Because there's a lot of there's a lot of egos and stuff oh, in the business world oh, no, as well. There, so, there is, yeah. there is, and it 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 um, you know, and goodness, in the profession, I mean, there's you know, people want to advance, they want to do well. But I'll say this: I was really, really fortunate, and I mean this with absolute sincerity. It was more about uh, helping those young men be successful. That was really what, what drove all of us. It wasn't, you know, you know, trying to get a win for ourselves or any of those kind of things. And I'm guessing as business owners, when you have employees, you, you, you want success for them. And, and, and because, you know, certainly from job satisfaction to, pay and benefits and all the other things that we, that we want to provide for others. I mean, it's hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, I know that you are very high performing. I know that your schedule is crazy. I'm curious when you need some inspiration or when maybe you just need a kick in the pants, not that I'm sure you ever do. 
Um, what inspires you or who inspires you or who do you turn to to yeah. kind of get you going? Well, I'm really fortunate that um, our current president is someone that's not just my boss, but is is someone that's a, is a friend and someone that I think, um, uh, is, you know, sees things enough through similar lenses that um, he can help me with blind spots and, and things and, and is someone that, um, you know, I think cares about me enough to go ahead and tell me, even though um, uh, we mentioned um, I mentioned to you some professional coaching that I, and, and he recommended uh, a person that, that he had u- used as a, do some professional coaching, but it came out of this part. I didn't share with you yet, yeah. but is it really came out of a, an instance where um, I hadn't uh, done as good a job with one of my direct reports as I should have. And, and so he, we talked about that and he offered that, you know, to support me professionally in this way, um, not as something punitive at all, but but to be able to say, hey, I have found this to be helpful to me. I wonder if you would be interested. And and I said, sure, let's 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 do it. And and indeed it was. But but it came out of out of being able to have someone that that cared enough about me that was going to tell me, okay, this is an area that I, I think you could have handled differently. He was absolutely right, by the way. And, um, and did I know it? Uh, maybe I did, but I, it, it, in this particular case, I don't know that I would have known about it as quickly and I wouldn't have been able to address it in the way that, that we did. So I think that certainly is one thing. I'm fortunate. I have, um, this reference to great family around me. And so, um, you know, Sometimes a kick in the pants for me is is time alone, and I have to be careful because I can kick myself, you know, you know, just like maybe we all can. So you don't want to be too hard on yourself. But but um, um, we were talking earlier. So if I, if I'm on my riding mower with my headset on and those, I, I do a lot of reflection. I mean, but but certainly early in the morning and and in quiet time and 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 even when we travel, um, it isn't always in big groups. I have a big family, but, um, but certainly, um, you know, just time away with, with me and my wife, it's, it's, uh, th- those are times of renewal that oftentimes are just, are reflecting about ways that I can do things better. And oftentimes we know, but it's just, it's just maybe setting up aside enough time to work through some of those things and figure out how you're going to do it better. But yeah. awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so I told you that we weren't going to talk about technology, uh, which is true, but yeah. we do always ask, what is the one piece of technology that you couldn't live without? Yeah. Uh, you know what? I really, I'm not even sure I can answer that question. And I apologize, but but I am going to answer it just to say this. In reflecting, just knowing that we were going to be meeting, knowing the work that you're in, um, it is because our work is so varied, you know, like the instructional side of technology, you know, students upload every assignment now to uh, their, their student portal. Well, that's a part of technology that, okay, we could probably revert and, and they would hand write things. They don't even know how to write cursive anymore. If we couldn't do that and, and they don't have these ink pens and, and, you know, so it's funny how you, you begin to be so dependent on various parts. Another example for us last night, because of the storms that were coming through Oklahoma, we use technology to send early alert to all of our students. Well, it comes via text message, but certainly the 
the tool that that uh, happens with, I mean, someone's sitting down at their computer and and uh, sending that to, you know, both in email, really, and in text message to all, not just our students, but our constituents as well, and all of our employees. So, I, you know, I think about those, certainly email and all that we use constantly. Yes, we talked earlier, Zoom, we use constantly. You know, all of our, um, you know, our ERP system for the university of, of, of making payments and accepting payments and, and then all the, so much of the technology is, is kind of tagged to that. So everything from when you recruit a student, uh, but then all the way to when they become a, an alumnus and now a donor to the university, there's uh, tools that, you know, if you ask that department, they're going to say, that's the one. And then you ask another employee, they would say, oh, no, it's this one. And then you'd say, professor, no, it definitely is, is uh, Canvas where our student portal. And so, you know, for me, yes, okay, I, I'm I'm on email and all those things way more than anything else. I don't even know if that counts as technology anymore. But my phone, I I use my phone, you know, as my computer. I use it, um, you know, as my phone. I use it as, you know, the text messaging advice. I use it, you know, to to Google a lot of things I don't know how to do and all, all <laughs> points in between. I use it to find out who a student is oftentimes by searching their social media. And then I see things on there that I shouldn't be looking. No, no, not, not usually, but every so often. Yeah. Students are great. The, the back with the background checks, all those kind of things. But it, it's funny. I, um, but as a university, because of all the varied parts, it does extend and it impacts us uh, in so many ways. And so when OBU lost electricity, I guarantee that's, those are the kinds of things that you think, man, that impacts us in so many ways. And they were worried about data integrity. And that was one of the things their president spoke to that we, you know, we feel good about all of that, or they felt good about that as they reported out this morning, you know, and he was reporting out to, I'm sure their parents and everybody else that was concerned about that. Right. So, yeah, I don't, I don't think a lot about uh, the, the backside of technology of how that's going to um, stay up through, um, the entire cycle of, of an education person going, going through a university. Um, but the phone, your, the fact that you always have your phone, I think that's probably the, the most common answer that, that we've had. Uh, so you're definitely not alone with needing to have a hold of that. Yeah. There, there's a few times when uh, we, we try, when we have cabinet meetings, our president, and this is something that he's instituted, is we do try to go technology free. However, it's so limiting. So and we can give each other pieces of paper if we have a report or whatever. We still can do that, obviously. But 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 then you think, well, what about this? Or hey, and someone will ask about a report that we didn't bring, but you know that you have on your device or or you know, up there in the cloud somewhere. And you can't access it because we're technology free. So, but, but our, that's where the phone, I mean, I'll have there. And if I need to, you know, look down, I can sometimes get to some things or I'll, the, the most convenient answer is you say, oh, I need to step out. A, a student is calling me because <laughs> the students trump all things. And then once I'm out there, I can say, okay, uh, what was the cost of the university? In See, but now you just, but you've let your secret go. I, I, I have let myself out. I have now. to be careful. Can we edit that portion, well, please? We can do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, we're closing to an end here. Um, if someone wants to learn more about SNU, if they want yes. to learn more about student life, if they want to inquire more, how can they either reach out to the university or maybe you directly? 
Now, there's some exciting things, and certainly uh, they can call me or certainly email me at mredwine at snu.edu. Mredwine is my last name, just like it sounds, at snu.edu. Uh, the university is snu.edu, the main website. Certainly reach out to me, and I don't mind passing out my cell phone, but if they want to email, and then I'll give them my cell phone. It doesn't bother me at all. Uh, but, you know, even if it's just a ways that they could partner with the university, or if they're a vendor and they want to sell us something that could help the university, that's great. But oftentimes it's, you know what, I've been thinking about, in fact, I had this conversation at a chamber uh, event this morning we were talking about, but someone came up and they had finished their bachelor's degree. They had wanted to get their master's degree, but then COVID hit and they, and they just, it wasn't the right timing for them and their work and their family and all that goes with it. So about, about coming back. And we have several master's degrees that are geared to working professionals. We also have a doctoral program. We're adding several healthcare related fields right now. We've had nursing, but pre-physical therapy, we have a PA program that is in the works that will be coming along. So physician's That's assistant, it. which will be really uh, big and some others that we're exploring, like uh, the doctorate of physical therapy that are a little bit further out. But um, but we just know those are ways that we can best serve our community because healthcare is just such a, a need. Uh, not just I'd heard yesterday morning watching the news that we we're a million nurses short in the U.S. and my wife is shaking her head because she's an RN. And and so we, we want to do our part in that. And as a way that we can partner with the community, we'd love to do that, but also with individuals that might have that desire. So I've had admissions in the past. So, and certainly in recruiting football players during all those years, so if it's just to um, visit and explore what the options are, I'd love to help in any way I can. So Awesome. Well, thank you. This has been great. Mike, I appreciate your time. I've loved it. Yeah. Thank you all listening, and uh, hopefully we'll see you all next time. The Oklahoma Business Show is proudly sponsored by Your IT, managed IT services and cybersecurity for Oklahoma businesses. Are you a business leader who's frustrated with your current technology, worried about cyber threats, and too damn busy to handle it yourself? Your IT makes IT easy. With clear and transparent pricing and the ability to customize services to fit your unique business needs. Visit yourit.com to learn more about our services and schedule a chat to find out how we can help you. That's y-o-u-r-i-t dot com. You deserve better IT.